This is good, Jim. This is a good song. Uh, another James Venable original, folks. Every song you hear on this podcast uh, is a song that Jim had rejected to be in a movie. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely true. This was rejected from a movie called The Perfect Score. Oh, double! <laughs> uh, but a double shot, just a double attack. Uh, why? Um, why did you think of it for me? Okay, Corey, you haven't been introduced yet. Oh, come on, mm. you've heard a podcast before. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Uh, welcome to Stand Up and Clown the Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Demiani, and uh, you've, you've heard the other players for today. So let me start with my musical and technical director, not a co-host, James Venable. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much, Chad. It's such a pleasure to be here both on the podcast and live in our live stream. Welcome everyone to the Instagram first Stand Up and Clown live stream hosted by James L. Venable along with his co-host, not a co-host rather, Chad oh, Demiani. Boy. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Um, as if Jim was nailing it so well, he's at, decided to add a whole other element to his uh, job. Uh, so yeah, right now we are live streaming and of course this whole podcast will be available. And I want to bring on our guest in just a moment. Um, I'm very excited to speak with her, but a reminder on what this podcast is about. Um, if this is the first time you're listening, I would suggest you listen to some of the other ones. We've had some great conversations. Um, this podcast is inspired by a live show Jim and I do called Stand Up and Clown. Actually, um, I think by the time you hear this, we'll have had our last one of the year, um, and it will have been an epic success. Um, this is where we take stand-up comics and we bring them on and introduce them to the world of clown. And we hope this podcast can do the same, that whether you're someone who loves clown or you're barely familiar with it, or you just want to maybe have some inkling on what is clown, which is the big question we're trying to answer on this podcast. We hope to do that for you. Um, I will say this is a podcast about clowning, not a clowning podcast. Um, none of us have any responsibility to be funny, interesting, do bits, characters, voices. Uh, we're going to be doing a deep dive into the work. Um, and on that note, let me introduce my friend, Jim's <laughs> friend, our guest, uh, she is a member of the Clown Zoo Ensemble. She is a uh, sought-after clown and, uh, I would say, just solo show theater director, uh, a teacher, um, a, a foster mother, a wife, um, mm. many things that, <laughs> that, we'll, that we'll discuss potentially. Uh, Corey Podell, welcome to the podcast. Woo! And then also for all of our Instagram people out there, Corey says hello to all of you as well. My oh guest, boy. Corey Podell. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Corey, thanks for so much for joining us. And we should say that just so people know, like, as this is as clown a situation as you can have in that um, there is a how old a baby just feet away <laughs> from you right now that, you know, yeah. that, Anything could go. This baby could steal the entire podcast. This baby could annihilate this pod. Like we are, this is as clown an and enterprise. I have I have done everything in my power today to not have this baby steal this podcast. I gave her naps at the right time. I took her on a walk. I got, I fed her a full bottle before two p.m. and she is wide awake, sitting right next to me. She's three months old, oh, but she's, she's a doll. And if get. she if she interrupts, it'll it'll be fine. You know what no I worries. love about this baby too is it's one of those babies that's just judging everyone all the time. <laughs> you know, like it's that true. to me is my favorite. Like, you know, I, who, who doesn't love like a happy baby? But a baby who looks at you like, I hope you have a reason for being here, uh, yeah. really steals my heart almost instantly. She's very skeptical yeah. of every of everything. She's like, okay, okay, whatever, yeah. She's the uh, best, though. So, Corey, um, there's a lot to cover um, <laughs> that because uh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. Because I would say, of all the people I've had on the podcast so far, you are the first one I'd say who I would say is a almost a classic introvert. Do you think that's fair? I I I think that's fair you to perceive me that way but in reality i'm not i'm an extrovert i think i'm an introvert in the realm of like the clown zoo ensemble i love being an ensemble member i love being on stage with other people being on stage alone is my hell 
And so that's, that's where I think you're like, she, she never wants to perform, but it's really like, I, yeah, I hate, I, but, but I, I'm challenging myself to get more comfortable with it, but yeah. You tried to, you tried to actually trick me the other day. So you came back to clown (laughs) zoo and by the way, Corey must love to perform because now, you know, as a mother, like there are so many moving parts to get to a show. Mm-hmm. Ba- so babysitters arrived. Their things were arranged. So like this, this is a free show in the park to do all this stuff, to spend all this money. And first thing Corey does is come up <laughs> to me and go, Hey, I have an idea. You know how we do those solo introductions. Wouldn't it be fun to do duos? And I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm like, Oh, that might be something. Cause I'm always looking to do something different. Of course there's five people. Corey has not thought through the plan at all. That in fact we cannot do duos because there are an odd number of people. Um, also, when we started Clown Zoo, one credit to Corey Podell, even though I think it was just an offhanded joke. Technically, in the canon of Clown Zoo, you suggested theatrical mask. Yeah, you I was were the first out. person to say it. Yeah, I was hanging out with Courtney and Natalie, Courtney Proso and Natalie Palomitas. This was like during the pandemic when like no one knew what was going on and we could only do things outdoors and only wear masks. And yeah, I don't even remember the context, but I said we should there should be a mask show where we like wear proper clown masks because we have to anyway. And um, next thing I knew, Chad started a text chain. Yeah, because I and so and I we've talked about it a little bit in previous podcasts, but just like to surmise it. Bill O'Neill, who's one of the members, had a birthday party. We'd all uh, gone at different times. We saw these enclosures at the old zoo, thought they looked like theater enclosures. At that moment, I definitely was like, we should do something here. Had no inkling about theatrical math. Like, I was just like, I want to do something. I called Natalie, and Natalie immediately said, you know what Corey said? Corey said we should do a real mask, and that was it. Like, And then we just got that thread going. But then very early on, we started to meet and Corey, who I didn't know very well, I, you know, I liked and I knew, but I didn't know very well, immediately goes, I'm going to, I'm going to be the videographer, the director. I'm not going to perform. Do you remember this? And I was like, well, how about this? I was like, Corey, how about we say this? If you want to shoot for now, that's fine. I said, but we're not going to like decide that you are like locked into any role. You're just a member of this ensemble. And uh, and then you did. You spent maybe the first two months just shooting. Is that correct? Well, I performed for a little while and then I thought I want to like get footage of this. This is so cool. And I'm I direct short films as well. So I just had this impulse to to do that. I think it was probably also an excuse to not perform because, you know, I'm we weren't too great scared. at that point. It should be. <laughs> Should be made clear no, that we were I, having many failures. We were yeah, there were many yeah. shows that were just barely uh, serviceable. So everyone was really cool about it, and then I I started uh, maybe like there were a handful of shows where I was just an audience member or just getting footage, and then I kept getting FOMO. I was like, no, I want to be up there. No, I mm-hmm. should yeah, and so I eventually. Um, got someone else to take the footage and I jumped back in and that was actually in the spring of 2021. And that was um, actually the the strongest I've felt uh, doing clown was like when I was consistently doing clown suit every week, even if I ate shit every week, it, I, it helped me, you know, face my ultimate fear, which is failing in front of people. So it's so fascinating. And, you know, and, and, you know, the reason I was really, you know, two things the two big things for me were one that you have like a unique perspective on directing clowns and dealing with clowns not only creatively but like emotionally <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's complicated and you're very you're very good at this you've you have uh, directed and oversaw shows that have like done incredibly well we'll talk about those but for me you know you come from a great pedigree like you, you know, you did very well at the groundlings. You, I mean, you t- also taught at the groundlings or still teach. I'm yeah. not sure. Well, you know, I, so, yeah, you had a lot of experience yeah. and yet this sort of, you're kind of attracted to a thing that maybe requires you to take the most risk and be the most uncomfortable, even though you're be- maybe like perceivably could ease more easily do other things. 
Sure. I, I, I come from Groundlings, that world of improv and sketch. I taught there for years. I love teaching and I love directing and I would direct shows there. And so as a teacher and a director, I feel really confident, like teaching and directing all kinds of things like a straight play, clown work, sketch. Like I, I feel really confident in that area, but I'm a baby clown. As a performer, I'm like a toddler clown. I just started doing this stuff in like tw- late 2018. And so I'm like, I, that to me, I'm like, it's like exposure therapy doing clown. It's like, I am so, it really is. It's like, I've tried to go to talk therapy in my life and it's always been like, eh, fine. Okay. But when I started doing clown, I was like, oh, this is like when someone's afraid of heights and they have to like go stand on a balcony every day or something like that. That's what this feels like to me because my social conditioning and the family I'm from failure, like failure is the second worst thing. Failing in front of people is the worst, worst thing. I thought death was good. Like, I was like death. And you're like, no, 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 that's- no, no, no. Death is <laughs> welcome sometimes when I'm failing in front of the audience. So I'm like, I probably like 90% of the time in class, I've taken a ton of classes like in class or doing shows or being live directed, whatever. I'm like eating shit. I'm, I, I'm like crawling out of my skin. And then like 10% of the time, like I have a moment, I have like a scene, I do something amazing where like I drop in, I feel it. I'm like so connected. I'm like, that's my clown. And then I lose it. And I'm just like chasing after that 10%. And hopefully my goal is to get at some point in my life to like 50, 50, where I'm like failing half the time and embarrassing myself. And then like you know, doing something somewhat okay. The rest you know, of the though, time. This is like, it's such a philosophical <laughs> conundrum though, because I would argue that some of my favorite moments with you in clown zoo are when you are eating buckets of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a lot I of love the it. <laughs> the audience loves it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so just to be clear, you know, it, there's so much of this is a perception issue because yeah. yeah, by the way, you make a lot of bad choices. Like I know. But the audience it really enjoys, like they're like, oh, this is like the audience <laughs> is excited. They're not like, oh, boo, the show is bad. They're like, oh no, we've got a clown in true peril. But from your perspective, like you're still you're still attracted to that other side of clown where we find that like that that hot brick, right? Like that we like, oh, we've got we've got it. Like we've got like we're gonna run with it, which by the way is absolutely validly one of the exciting things about doing the work we do, but also the thing you don't want, which is the audience craves it. The audience craves seeing us go, oh, they're so lost. They're just, <laughs> they, they committed to the worst idea. They don't like, they're loving that. And like, I think for, what I would want for you is to find affection for both. Yeah. Hey, as long as there's, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, we have two people watching our live stream right now, and we had a comment Jesus, here. Jim. Oh, yeah. What was the comment, Jim? Clown does feel like therapy. Even watching feels that way. It's super oh. immersive. Oh. Now, I have no idea what they're talking about because I was out getting a drink during that section. <laughs> but it's, Jim does will that re- leave so does much Does that relate this, to anything in this? Yeah, thing? no, I mean, it's a dangerous game because I like to say clown is therapeutic sure yeah yeah, yeah like, I, I actually don't like when people trauma dump on stage you know what i mean oh, like when yeah. people get up and like tell their story it's like no but to to force myself to like face that fear all the time and to do so in front of students of mine like so that to me feels really scary is when like i see students of mine in the audience or um, people who want to work with me in some way. And I'm just like eating shit in front of them. I'm like, what must they think? They must be like, I'm asking this bitch to work with me. No, thank you. But that's not the case. No. But you know, it, 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 that's what kind of fucks me up a little bit too. Is like, how can people trust me as a director if I can't even like function right now on but stage? Keep but... saying it like it's not like, you know, it's so funny. Cause I was, uh, we had Eric Davis, AKA Red mm-hmm. Bastard on and I talk, uh, we talked quite at length with Jim about this idea of like, you, you can't stop failing. Like you can't get to a point as the teacher and be like, I've made it to this level. Now I don't have to go out and fail anymore. Like I know what I'm doing. Like, 
And by and a lot of teachers, and by the way, I totally get it because I know that feeling of like being on stage and like seeing people who freshly took one of my intensives and I am just, I'm doing so poorly. And there is, a but see Chad, I don't, I don't think you do poorly. I think you, Oh, I think you always figure out a way to make it work. And I guess and like, it's you, not going the way I expected you, maybe. Sure. But you always, you're, I haven't taken class with you. I'm sure you're a great teacher, but you're a really great director. Like I, even though I never do well when you direct me, but like you make people look great. You, you know, I, I've watched your class shows and I've seen you live direct and the stand up and clown. Like you, 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 you do a really good job of like uh, the framework and holding it together and keeping it moving and, and, and all of that. So I don't, I don't ever see you and think you're blowing it. Well, that's a, th- but, but what, what I, would argue, I think you blow it all the time. Okay. <laughs> I knew Jim would not let me have that moment. I knew Jim wouldn't rob me of that moment. Um, But what I would, and by the way, this is all philosophical and theoretical. And I think, and when you hear the music, it's going to sound louder. Jim will mix it in later to make us look insane. That's, like, uh, that's to symbol. Loud. That's to indicate that the uh, podcast portion of this episode, I'm not sorry, the live cast portion is going to end. So if you want to see the rest of this, you can tune in at the podcast in how long? Uh, Who knows? Could be weeks. No, be probably weeks, a months. few days. It'll probably be next week. Um, but that so, means nothing to them because they're listening to it right I, now. Uh, I, I just want you to know we had a 50% participation. We had two viewers and one of them commented <laughs> okay. and uh, 50% Very agreement. Exciting. And actually no one disagreed with anything. So I think we're doing good so far. All right. Back um, to it. Thank, thank you, Jim. Uh, Jim will ruin this podcast two more times. It's like Judas. It's like the, the crow <laughs> goes three times. Um, what I would say is I think – and thank you. That's a very nice thing for you to say. But what I think I work really work hard on is just embracing whatever's coming. And if you embrace the failure or you embrace the things aren't going well, but act like that is equally valuable in terms of progressing the play, it it can look like you're never like you're always somewhere, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's so funny because I, I do know too, like, like how an audience see like we might go out there and do really well um in in and in our estimation and that audience might may or may not have loved it we can go out there and feel like we're bombing and that audience may have just been enthralled like in so fast i've had a bunch of shows actually recently i did a show with christina Catherine martinez and karen hall who's a cellist at an art exhibit where we were brought in and it was a crazy exhibit of these big black boxes. And then there were bottles filled with simulated stomach acid from the author. He had had his stomach acid um, sort of uh, broken down in a lab. And then they made synthetic stomach acid and they were in all these bottles. And uh, it was just. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> right. So already. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're brought into this room and we th- at first we thought we could like, because it's a big black boxes, we could sit on them and like, not like fuck with them, but like. But then seconds before we're told you can't touch anything. And then everyone comes in instead of standing in the front, they stand all around us. Like, so now we're in the round with all these obstructive black boxes. Um, And, you know, this was a show that had so much silence in it, Corey, like so much silence. And then, and this is always how I judge if a show managed to get its job done. I leave there thinking like, Oh, you know, we did our best. And, you know, I think we had some moments and then I had like, 20 different people with photos from the show on Instagram in the, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know if you yeah. use that as a gauge, but it's like, if people are like, Oh, I, I want to tell people I was there. I'm like, okay, like uh, something. And it's just like fascinated, like really kind of, you know, very positive things. I'm like, Oh, so in my perception, these people were just tolerating us, but they were having a different experience. Yeah. I, I went to a show last night at the Elysian and the girl checking me in was like, Oh, I saw you in Clown Zoo. Great job. And I was like, what? I, I was horrible, you know, but I, I didn't say that. I took the compliment, but it's like, yeah, you, you don't know how people are. People just like to go to the park and have fun. And I actually love doing Clown Zoo. I love being in the mask. Uh, that helps me a lot. And I love those scenes. I just I just hate being myself on stage all alone, Chad. So, just to be clear, too, what I, I added, <laughs> I instituted 
was a, a, a maskless warm up where everyone has to go up and kind of, and and it's designed to do exactly what you're talking about, which is I want this audience to feel that these performers are really at a grave disadvantage, right? <laughs> I want them to feel like, oh no, and and you know sometimes and by the way, like you know sometimes you have like Bill O'Neill's been on a tear, he's been like killing at these, so, so like it makes it even more tense because we're all on different like sometimes some of us are doing just well for a stretch. And then sometimes some of us, so if you're after someone who just crushed, mm-hmm. now you're going, yeah, but like, but this, of course, this is exactly what, what I want the audience to feel, which is like, they want, I want them to root for you. I want them mm-hmm. to be excited to see what you're going to do, but it has to be at the expense of your comfort. Oh, well it is for sure. <laughs> <Mission> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, uh, I did want to ask you, you you talked about teaching and and I, I totally forgotten when I was doing my prep for this episode. You and Courtney Peroso just did teach, yeah. Um, and was this your first time? Because you've done, I know you've done a ton of improv teaching. Was this your first time teaching clown or going over clown bits? I I actually taught a clown class. It was like a one day festival at the Groundlings where teachers could pitch different ideas of what to teach. And I knew that they would be weird. This was a few years ago now. I knew that they would be like clown. No. Or like they would be weird about that title. So I titled it the workshop. Let's get weird with Corey Podell. And I just (laughs) taught a clown class. (laughs) And once I started uh, and it went great, you know, and so I knew that that could be part of my arsenal and, and in my teaching work. And then once I started taking clown classes, that really helped me as as an improv and sketch teacher over, and director over at Groundlings and and wherever else I worked. It just helped me a lot. And so, um, I would I would do some of the warm ups like uh, in in improv class and like they were blowing people's minds. And I'm like, I know, right? This is this is clown. Come over to the lyric, you know, and like recruiting people. But um, yeah, I, I still love to to teach, but but. Courtney and I's workshop went great. I loved it. We had a blast. I think we were helpful to people, um, and I, and we want to do it more. And so, and and you can correct me. My understanding was you were going to bring people in. Uh, this is from my conversation with Courtney. Jim and I we spoke to Courtney. You, um, they would either they would there would be some exercises so they could generate, but they could also bring ideas. Like like they would yeah. have either, and then the real meat of this, which is something that probably doesn't happen. And like, I was very excited to hear you were doing this because a lot of time, like what I do is I'm just trying to get them to understand conceptual ideas to then go out into the world. And, you know, um, but you were going to like watch their pieces, their bits, their, their characters, and then help them construct and like give them notes and stuff. And so how many students did you have? We had 14, which was, or we had 15 the first day, which was too many. That's one thing it's we learned. It was for, like for too many kind of, for, for that, for that kind of thing. work. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, we'll, we'll tweak things as we, as we move forward, but yeah, that was the idea because I had been, I, I went to fringe this year. We can talk about that later too. I went to fringe in August. Um, I saw a ton of amazing clown shows. I was on this kick when I came back, I, I was out seeing tons of, I just wanted to keep seeing shows. So I went to all these variety shows, all these bit shows, all these clown open mics. I'm like seeing what's going on. And um, I was seeing a lot of like things that I wanted to it was like, I was biting my tongue. You know, I was like, I wanted to shout out like, yeah, just, just go over here, you know, or like uh, make an exit now or like direct it a little bit. And um, I was just noticing some patterns and I'm like, I need to help people. What do people need right now? What does this community need? They need like a little bit of guidance with a little bit more discipline with these bits. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people come on stage with a million ideas with tons of props, a big mess, showing their dick in the first minute, you know, and it's like, uh, guys, you know, so I was, we were doing this workshop to sort of like maybe fulfill a need in us to like help. From watching just this thing as an audience, <laughs> from watching all these shows, like getting, getting it out, like just be like, fine. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the things you brought up specifically, because I think they are like paramount to, because I do think there's a confusion um, about clown and its relationship to simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's like, yes, we want to see your dumb ideas. Not all of them. 
Not all yeah. of them right now. Yeah. And I, and I, I see it so clearly because I do the same thing. Like I recognize it in someone else because I'm like, yeah, that's what I do too. When I try to go do a bit at the clown open mic, I probably bring like three ideas and I just needed the one, you know, and I realized it afterwards on my drive home. And so it's just easier to see in others. But I think, um, you know, I, people go and see these clown shows, like some of which I have participated in like clown zoo, like gutter plum, where like people end up fucking and like naked at the end or like crazy shit happens. And so I understand why maybe the the message people are getting is like, that's what we have to do within five minutes of my little five minute bit. And it's like, no, that needs to be earned. It's like a show's worth of, of, of getting there. Even though in clowns, we sometimes we start by blowing the foundation yeah the found (laughs) like again if you have the foundational you're right and you know it's 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 also like i guess if you go into like a museum and saw a jackson pollock and you're like i guess i gotta throw a bunch of paint at this the can like it's like actually there's a lot like the process is much different to get there than you think it is you're seeing what the end result is and also i just think in general that our brain will always try to trick us into taking the safest route, you know, like as a matter of survival. And I've seen it so many times where what you're talking about, a clown over prepares and what they're really doing subconsciously is, well, I've got so much, well, how could I, how can it go wrong? I've got so much. And you're like, that's how exactly what you're doing. They're creating this safety net for themselves that actually doesn't work, you know? And, and, and the most impressive things to me are when someone like comes on stage with like maybe one costume or one prop, one idea makes a cool entrance, does their little idea, makes a cool exit. It's like, that's kind of all you need to start. Exits. Yeah. Like, you know what, like the, the, the idea of like leaving being like you, you accomplished your goal. They love you. Yeah. Why are you sticking around? Like you're like yeah. that person, the one night stand who's like, you want to go to brunch? It's like, God, my guy. Get it's, it's like leave on a high note, babe, you know, <laughs> like get out of here. And and I I edit myself out too early whenever I do a bit and it's like the first laugh I get, I'm like, thank you very much. Goodbye. Oh, 100%. I've stage, had to, you know? more than more than a dozen occasions be like, Corey, get back here. <laughs> Corey, get back here. Like, Which also is very fun though, because the audience kind of loves that you were like, I got it. I got it. Um, um Chad, do you remember? I don't know. Speaking of exits, I was thinking about like the first time we worked together. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this because I ate shit so bad. It was at the lyric, and you were doing Chad Live Directs, mm-hmm. and you invited me to be part of it. And this was like early on in my clown work. Courtney Peroso is the one that recruited me into clown. And once I got there and took class with Phil Burgers, I was, it was like a lightning bolt. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to like live in more than sketch and improv. So I was like, so excited to, to perform and be live directed and wear the blacks and sit on the side of the stage, all that stuff. And I was partnered up with Jet Eveleth, who I've also studied with, who is amazing, an amazing mm-hmm. teacher. I don't remember what happened, but like, we were bad. It was bad. We were doing really bad and you were calling it out. And I was like, this is so fucking bad. I'm so bad. I thought this was going to be like a victorious moment for me. This is so bad. And finally you were like, you got to end the scene. Like you, you got to go. And I just pretended to die on stage, but I I was standing up and I was just like dead. And you were like, Corey, you cannot die on stage. No. And I just, I, I just died. I just kept dying for like two minutes. Yeah, and you're like, worked, you're going to do this. You're, it was the only laugh I got, you know, it was like it was a, a huge choice. laugh, but it was like, thank God I did that. But that, that was, that's like a metaphor for like oh, yeah. Yeah. what I feel like on stage sometimes is like, I'm just going to die right here and you can all just watch me die, you know? And that's, what's so interesting. Cause you know, like there's like, I think there's this like majority of clowns or at least the people attracted to the work, which are like, the the look at me clowns the like living disaster clowns like and i feel like in a different way i'm also in one of the the small smaller groups like i am a type a organized you know kind of more like i'm like a a natural white clown and there's not a ton of Mm. us and then i also feel like you are in this where it's like you love it so much but you were like in like this we were talking about like there's just this part of you 
that's being so hard on yourself, but you're willing to endure it because you love it. Whereas, you know, we both know this. Then we have all these colleagues and friends. I mean, they'll they can't they'll trip over themselves getting onto a stage. With, <laughs> like like they're just they don't care. They're so desperate to be loved, and they don't seem to have to battle that. Like for me, I have to battle all the time my desire to bring order to things, you mm-hmm. know. And so what I try to do is I try to let the audience see my frustration in wanting yeah. things to go one way and like, ha- and they can have permission to have joy in watching me like lose control, like, because control is what I want so desperately. And like, and I think for you, it is this, like, I want to be out there, but also if someone else wants to go, like, like, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like, and that's what's so del- it's delightful. And it's different. And like, we, sh- we should be very grateful to be different, you know, uh, because yeah, that just like, I, you know, provide something different. I, I'm not that natural exhibitionist. Look at me, look at me. But I do. Obviously, I have that inside me somewhere because I'm doing this shit. The look at me, look at me thing. It's like, look at me, but don't look at me. Look at me, but don't look at me. Right. I have this thing going on. And I what I'm like yearning for with this work, like for me as a performer is like just freedom, like more freedom on stage to be dumb, be stupid, be nasty, be ugly, like be just freedom that I see like Bill O'Neill just has so much freedom on stage and John Norris has so much freedom. Natalie does, you know, it's like, I, that's what I aspire to like get a fraction of it's, it just feels like uh, a bit harder for me to get to. I'm a very normal person, you know, I'm like not a clown freak. I'm like, I think I said it once in a show. I'm like, I'm like your cousin, Jen. I'm like, your friend's older sister who got kidnapped by maniac clowns and <laughs> is like now doing clown zoo, but loves it and has Stockholm syndrome and is like in it now. But like, how did I get here? Who knows? Right. But, but, you know, I read as really normal. I don't look like I have this theory that, um, like certain people have an advantage because they look funny already. Like my husband, he's an actor and he's got a very specific look that is like, funny. I mean, it's not, he's adorable, but he's kind of funny looking too. And like, um, I think you, you're like already funny looking because of like the, the little shorts you wear and like your outfits on, on you, you know, and, um, like John Norris, he's a, he's a clown I work with and he's got this mustache and just these eyes where he like shifts his eyes one way and he gets a big laugh. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an advantage that I, I think I'm just, I'm a little, uh, too normal. So maybe I need to do Buffon or something and like make myself look grotesque or, or insane. I love, I love how that <laughs> ended with grotesque or insane after mentioning <laughs> a bunch of your friends who you think have this advantage. Um, well, you know what I mean though? It's like, but, but just, and we can't talk about it cause it's top secret, but like, because you do like yeah. Like if you go to a party, no one's like, oh, I'm worried about this. Like Corey's looks like just someone at the party who's having a good time, <laughs> like might be fun to talk to, but there's not like, watch the, watch the silverware. Like there's no, yeah. like, it's, it's not like, oh, she's got a haircut. Ooh, you yeah. know, or like, she's, what's that outfit she has what's on? It's like, deal? I'm wearing a black t-shirt and jeans and I've got like long, straight brown hair. Sorry. You know, but like, you were because of that, you know, this on a project that we'll be talking about next year on this podcast and stuff, you were someone I was a, really able to advocate for to come in and subversively have an understanding of this work, but not uh, sound a shit ton of alarms around the project, right? Which is so like, I think everything is an advantage if we, if we learn to use it, you know? Yeah. I, by the way, I really appreciate that you got me that gig or you got me the audition Audition. that got me that gig. And I, and I really felt seen by you because you did see like they needed someone who had a certain quality of like, yeah, normalcy and, uh, low-key just nice big sister energy i think you said Mm. and i was like uh yeah that's me and like you you saw that in me and you called me in and and it was awesome it was an awesome experience and i meant to get you a massage as 
I meant to get you to buy you a massage as a thank you gift. Oh. I kept asking you where you would go get massages, and then I like never followed through. So that's an IOU. And yeah, now so it's I just public. thought you were being weird. No, I'm just kidding. Every time I see Podell, she's like, "Where do you get massage?" I'm like, where "What's you, going on?" What's no, the name of your massage place in the Valley that I don't live near? <laughs> that you live nowhere near? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> let let let's transition though to let's talk about directing. Mm. Let's talk about. Edinburgh. We really haven't, yeah. like, we've had some people who've done stuff there, but we really haven't talked about it at length. And so you, um, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. You have a co-devising credit with Courtney Peroso for Gutter Plum. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So Courtney Peroso is my longtime best friend. We met at the Groundlings in 2009. We've been longtime collaborators. And um, again, she's the one that brought me into clown for better or worse. And uh I'm grateful to her for it. And she started working on a solo show and in um, end of 2018. And just because of the nature of our relationship, we hang out constantly. We talk constantly. I was over at her house helping her work on bits a lot. And it just organically happened that I helped her create this show, Gutter Plum, which uh, went to Edinburgh in 2019. Right. This is... um... I mean, so what went it went to uh, Edinburgh in 2019. You went you went along with her. Yeah, and it was produced by Soho Theater out of London. So she had this great um, production company backing her, and I was just kind of like along for the ride. I did not know anything about. I of course I had heard of it, Edinburgh Fringe. Did not understand anything about it, and realized it's a total ecosystem where like there it's like a mini hollywood it's like it's not actually fringe you know it's like it's corporate (laughs) and uh there's just a whole language you gotta speak there and there's like a whole system that i I was very overwhelmed by at the beginning um but now yeah so now i understand it a bit more i most recently went this past summer with a show called Mr. Chonkers that I directed John Norris, a one man clown show. Um, And he was self-produced, but word got out and his show was bringing in big crowds for a midnight show every night. It was kind of a little mini sensation. I went for two weeks where I really started to understand the ecosystem there. And, um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, a lot of people ask me about advice to bring their show to Fringe, and I always feel a bit negative saying this, but it is a really expensive, uh, like it's not some easy thing to do, and so I I just advise people to be like really wise about what show they're bringing and how they're doing it, and to have the right attitude going in. I think that's um, such a it's such an important point too because and I had a bunch of students go and put stuff up and for some of them the expense the expense was was worth the experience like mm-hmm. even if they didn't get and John Norris is someone I've known for years I was on a ensemble with him called The Merge for many years John's great you know he's very experienced and I know John was talking about that show for years like not Mr. Chonker specifically but the journey there like it wasn't Oh, I had an idea in February and I'm, I'll be there in all like, this was something that he had been talking about and had kind of come in and out of. So by the time he went and like had, had an experienced director, by the time he went, it was something that he had kind of been building to where I did have a bunch of people. And again, I think for some of them, the experience was worth the expense, but yeah. It was like, I've got an idea. Like, if that is, if you think Edinburgh is what, you know, Phil Burgers used to do and be like, I've got nothing and just show up. And by 30 days from now, that's not, you know, um, uh, Spiegel World goes there. Like, huge theater companies go there. Like, they're spending money on, you know, we have friends, uh, you know, like uh, the Stamptown folks and Zach Zucker and, and like, I mean, they're fully entrenched in this scene all year and the people in the scene and the producers and like, like make, get something to work locally. Like, like yes, I, I really tell people like, get your, if you want to bring a show there, like, uh, get your show really good here first, get a great show here. Um, and then consider bringing it there. I, I just think, um, 
it's really hard on an artist to do. Everyone thinks like, oh, it's so fun. And it is so fun, but it's like, it's very uh, wearing and draining. And and I think like the right attitude going in would be like, I'm going to probably lose money. I might have four people in the audience every night and I still have to do the show with, with like the approach of this is going to be great. And that's tough. Um, so I think people should do it if they want to do it, but should think <laughs> deeply about it first. Right. And, and, and yeah, if you're going to, you know, like you were saying, John Norris, he went in 2019 with Bill O'Neill, just, I think, uh, just for fun for a couple of weeks. And that's where he kind of figured out like, oh, if I did do a show here, it would work well at this venue at this time, you know? And, and so he kind of got the lay of the land. I think going there cold, I mean, not everyone is going to get an opportunity to like go scope it out first, but um, that really benefited him. Yeah. And you know, this is, and this is something true of all entertainment, all art and clown specifically is I don't think a lot of younger clowns realize sometimes when they're in these like communal conversations about going to Edinburgh and doing all this stuff that the person that they're talking to might also uh, be an heir of the Johnsonville brats fortune. Like we attract (laughs) a lot of wealthy people who don't have to worry. You know, that's the sort of that starving artist community. Like the dirty little secret is there's a fairly large percentage of people who don't have to work. They yeah. have permission to fail. They can go there. Their their rent will be paid when they get home, you know, and and I don't think they do this in a duplicitous way, but they are hiding them all among us. Like I you you've had this experience. I don't I've had it where someone who, by the way, is great and also feels bohemian. And you're like, whoa, your dad invented x-rays. <laughs> you know, like it's like, <laughs> oh shit. Because that's, you know, part of like even having permission to dream about doing this work Uh, if you have money. So like, just know that sometimes like a lot of the people there, they lose $20,000, no big deal. Right. Right. And, and so it's, it's different for everyone. And, and you know what those God bless those people, you know, like good, good for good on them and good for them. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an amazing experience. It's really cool. But, you know, I don't think it's this like career breaker that people imagine it will be for them or something. You know, I I think if you yeah, I just think there has to be like a correct approach. There's a Willy Wonka chocolate factory element to it where it's like, yeah, some people it it, it, absolutely. But like every year that passes, that becomes more difficult, you know. Yeah, um, because it's just bigger and bigger. And everyone refers to Fleabag. Fleabag did her show there. Uh, and then it, and it's like, yeah, that was like eight years ago. And she already had a publicity machine behind her, which no one wants to talk about, but you know, it's like, so we're, com- we're, we're thinking of like this one person or this one thing. Yeah. And and we all think it's going to end up that way. But um, I will say it's a very creative environment. I saw amazing shows while I was there. Incredible clown shows, European clowns and Australian clowns are next level, next level. They're just I don't know why. Maybe it's an accent or something, but I think it's like it, it's, it was really special to see. And, and I'm really glad I went. And um, yeah, I, I don't want to discourage everyone from going to Fringe. I just think you should think carefully about it. No. And also go like go before you bring a show there. Go see it. Like you talked about John going. And yeah, uh, but I want to reverse. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit because. You you have directed a lot of different types of things, like you said, also short films and mm-hmm. and and theater stuff and improv. When dealing with someone like John Norris or Courtney Peroso, and you're and you're building a show, and you know it's not traditional, like it's not in the sense of like they send you a script to read. Like where do you, where where do you, what's your starting point? Like how do you start? Well, I think. <clears throat> The answer is it's it's different for everyone. And John and Courtney are both friends of mine that I had like worked with before. So it wasn't like I was coming in cold to some new relationship. I kind of knew what to expect from their personalities and their temperaments. Courtney's show, we approached through the lens of a character that she played and the character's journey. John's show was more of he came up with a handful of bits that he just kept working out in work in progress shows in LA for a long time until 
a theme or, or some arc naturally emerged. And then we sort of kept shaping it from there. So there were two different approaches. One was character based. One was bit based. And I I think it can be whatever. Let me pause you though, just to Mm -hmm. be specific. Mm -hmm. When you say you work it from there. So you have a conversation about an idea. Um, Does it like, how much do you, how much input do you have at this point where they're kind of pitching you things like before they actually like put it on its feet are you just more like listening and like, you're like, well, I want, well, I need to see it to know if it works or not. Or, or is there already like some architecture issues of like, that seems too complicated. I, I would like, what, what is your involvement? Yeah. We're like talking through it. I'm picturing like when Courtney and I were devising, we were, she was living in a house with Natalie and Silver Lake and we would always just like sit on that big blue ball she uses in her show. She had like multiple of them in the yard. We would like be sitting on the balls, like bouncing around, just like talking through stuff. And she'd get up and like, you know, walk around and do something and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. More of that. Or like, uh, we'd like write some jokes or something. It was mostly just like talking through stuff and then her doing a show, me watching all of her shows and giving feedback afterwards or just being like, yeah, that thing worked. Or like, I don't know. I think it's this thing or that thing. And was Um, there an outline? Like at that point, is there like, is there at least an outline of like, this is one, two, three, four, five, or is it more just, you got to go back. And these are just the things that stood out to you. Um, just the things that stood out. We never wrote anything down. There was never, we co-devised that show. There's no script. The, the, the script does not exist. And there's like one recording of the show. So it's like all kind of in Courtney's mind. And, um, and yeah, I would, I would watch her shows and and take notes and, and give her feedback and she could take it or leave it, whatever. Um, and with John, we, he would usually, we would usually get in like a theater space he would rent space and kind of talk through the bits he was going to do. Show me his bits again, just like talking through it. And then me going to watch the shows, giving feedback afterwards, rehearsing again, working out the kinks. I mean, what about not, the, not um, that exciting? Well, yeah. Where, where's the electricity? Cord? No, no. I mean, this, I think this is important that it is this fundamental. You know what I mean? It's like you have to yeah, talk about just, it. Then you have to have the courage to do the dumb idea. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and deal with the aftermath. What do you do with an artist after a particularly tough devising session? Cause you know, we've all been to that show mm-hmm. where, you know, something and and correct me if you have a different perception of it, but something that happens a lot too is, you know, we're dealing with great performers. And so they go out once or twice and they're just, they're electric, they're connected, but now they start to amass ideas. Right. So now they kind of get stuck in this zone where they have things that work, but guess what? That's not enough for the show. And they have to surrender to like exploring new ideas that maybe they're not as confident about. Like how do you sort of manage the emotional process? Um, I think a lot of being a good director in my experience is kind of being emotionally in tune to what the artist needs. Like sometimes actually after a bad show, it's not the time to be like, yeah, actually that didn't work. And we need to do this. Sometimes it's like, you did a great job. You tried it. Let's, let's uh, regroup next week, you know, and just like, and just like giving people space to like, uh, I just, I know what it's like right after a show, you kind of feel like you're in, you're in a blackout. You're like, what happened? Especially if it's in a go great. Um, so I'm kind of just like really in tune to like what someone needs in that, in that particular moment and, and just, um, being present for that. Courtney was tortured, tortured by doing her show. <laughs> like it was like torture, but also really fun. Like we had so much fun and she was also in suffering for months Um, and so as her best friend, not even her co-divisor, it's like, how do I be there for her? Keep encouraging her to keep going and let her know when things may not be working, but she, her and John always had a very good awareness of when things didn't work. In fact, sometimes they would want to cut stuff when I'm like, "I, I think you should try it again. You know, do, just do it a little bit different, you know? So, so it's gauging that and, and, um, me being an emotional person and like empathetic it helps me in this way. Yeah. It's, it, it is. So, you know, as someone who's been around, you know, TV and film and regular theater, like kind of watching 
I mean, this process by design is unconstructed, right? Because the minute if too early in the process, you're like, that's it. But like, let's keep like, it's like, you don't know, because this is also not a linear process. Right. You know, like you might discover something later Mm -hmm. that needs to be first and like, and, uh, but you know, my kind of, and I, I have very limited experience in terms of like the solo stuff. I mean, I did work on this show, Gerald, which we've mentioned here that Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, a lot of like Natalie, Natalie Palomides and Courtney Peroso and a a bunch of clowns, uh, from LA were in. And because of the nature of that role, I actually did have someone, um, type out, the uh, after we did one show type out the entire show just like uh create like a manuscript which then i because i just needed to see because there were so many monologues and stuff yeah. like that um but for my bits yeah i don't like you know i've you know have bits that are 15 20 25 minutes there is definitely no like and then t- turn to camera lights up you know, it's like <laughs> it's just um which also makes us some of the most hated people when it comes to text in the uh, theater world. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They're like, yeah. okay, just give us the script. It's like, well, here's some bullets. Like, yeah, and like when I when I look over here, that's when you're going to start the music. <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're like, you'll, you'll know it. You'll feel it, Tech. You'll feel it when it's time. Um, yeah, I... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to, uh, no, I want you to finish your thought because I was going to, I was going to transition. I just want to talk to you about film for a second and maybe mm-hmm. how clown influences how you have kind of been approaching your your filmed work um but but if you you were if you wanted to uh, finish your point i don't there. remember what i was saying well, jim's been <laughs> so I, quiet jim what are you i know I'm, I'm boring the shit out of jim not he's at been all. on his phone the not whole time all. he's on I tiktok no what have I, you been up to okay i've um, been listening intently and enjoying and then getting ready for phase two the test number two instagram uh post during my minute of comments so, Jim, at the end, so you should know, uh, Corey, not to put any pressure on you, but this will conclude with you answering the question, what is clown? Mm-hmm. And then right after that, we go into a minute of Jim where Jim surmises all the brilliance that you and I have like bandied back and forth through our conversation for the layperson, for the yeah. for the non-clown. Uh, so Jim, so sometimes Jim might seem like he's not paying attention because he is. And sometimes it's because he is preparing. Well, I can't wait moment. to hear his synopsis. Of- <laughs> you want to hear what you had? I, I can't wait I to hear. <laughs> yeah. What, what the fuck did I say? Yep. Um, but so yeah, let's talk about work. film. Yeah. yeah. I, I direct, I, I've directed three short films, one of which you were in and you're fabulous in it. Um, and so I did my first short film, just to see if I could do it, like just to see as a personal experiment, if I could do a short film and like complete it and direct it and just do it. And it, and all my films are like for zero budget. Everyone's doing favors. Everyone's just showing up out of friendship and love. And um, my approach has always been that there's really no script. There's a very loose script and it's all improvised. And I think, um, for me, like the, my strength as a film director is knowing who to cast and knowing who to put in scenes together because I just, and trusting that they'll do what they need to do. And I'm not ever worried about anyone. I've never shown up to the been like, Oh God, that one, that person's really blowing it. I've always been like, damn, I, I cast the best people, you know, like I'm always proud of myself for that at the end. Like, something I knew something, you know, or or there's something there that I I know who to put together. And, and so in this latest short film, there's like a scene that includes Ian Bratch, like a bunch of clown guys, Ian Bratchy, John Bradford, uh, Kevin Krieger, uh, and John Norris. And they're all like in an alley drinking beers together. And I just told them to show up And I kind of told them the scenario that's happening. Oh, a kid is going to run around the corner. You guys know him. You're his neighbors. And he's going to tell you something and just react. And I, and we just got, it could be its own short film, what we got that day from them, because I just knew that they could do whatever, you know, and and they took direction great. And it, it led to a better place than anything I could have written. So that, that's what I, I, I know that people are better than, than my writing. And I trust that more. So, And do you think that, I mean, because we often talk here about that Venn diagram. Well, you know me, I'm like improv clown. I mean, for it's all the same to me, like, but 
do you think that comes from groundlings time do you think that comes from your time in clown a little bit of both it comes from clown when i was at groundlings you know at least when i was performing there a lot we were really like they i never took the i was never a theater kid groundlings was my introduction to like words like cheat out stage right downstage i did not know shit so i got a lot of uh education there and discipline and um it was, you know, for sketch, especially it was like, if you put up a sketch one week and it didn't do well, they cut it and you had to do another sketch the next week. And it's like, there was no space to work on something or build it. It was like, it has to be good right away or you're done. And so that mentality had me kind of like stuck in a way that I think I'm still a bit stuck in, you know? Um, but once I started doing more clown work, I think it opened me up a lot to like scripts actually muddle things. And if you have a clear idea of what you want from a scene and you have great actors, it will, it will work if you explain it, if you communicate it to them well. And I think I do communicate well as a director. So yeah, it's, it's clown really that, that helps me with my short films. I'd also say just like, I feel like clown has made me such a better actor you know, oh, totally. It's it's just crazy because it's like, it's just training and presence and connection. And, you know, and like, it's so easy to sort of get overwhelmed by the idea of the material and yeah. what your intention is. And it's like, oh, right. But I'm here with a person. And like, if I just, if I'm really locked in to that person or people, like, that's so much more compelling. It just not, we just want to see people who are with us. Yeah. You know? And I started getting way more callbacks and booking more work as an actor. I mean, I love acting. I, I would love to just act in people's stuff all the time. That would be great. Um, but I, once I started doing clown work, I saw a huge uptick and just like, even just my callbacks for commercials. Cause I wasn't, yeah, I was I was thinking more about rapport and presence and uh, being in the moment rather than like getting the lines right on that board and uh, being better than my scene partner or something. You know, it's like the competition was gone and yeah, it opened me up a lot. I mean, clown really rocked my world and it like in a way where I can't really even work in sketch anymore. And people have asked me to help them with their sketch shows or their, sorry, I have to put a pacifier in this baby's mouth. This baby's um, killing it. This baby's <laughs> killing it on this podcast. Um, so, yeah. So, so I've been asked to do like some sketch stuff and I'm, I'm just like, not, it's like very flattering and, and I'm happy to like give people feedback, but to like direct a sketch show. That's not, that's not really what I'm interested in right now. I got asked to direct a sketch team at one of the, and it was just like, I feel like if I were to even do something like that, I would come in almost just to destroy what you think yeah. it should be. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I was like, I want, I want to respect what you're doing. Like, like, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any compulsion to come in and be like, you really want to, you really want to do theater. All right. Right. Those script, like, you know, like, and I feel like that is all currently I'm capable of doing for something that's outside of the purview of clown. Yeah. I, I guessed, I guess directed for a sketch team at the pack within the past year. And it was really, uh, it was a great experience. It was really fun, but I did feel like all the notes I was giving them, the performance notes were like, and see us look at us, you know, and it's like, no, there's a fourth wall with sketch Corey. Like I just was kind of like giving them clown notes, which maybe helps, but um, ultimately is not what they wanted, you know? Right. And it's like, like, yeah, I want to put it all in the same bucket and like let the best ideas rise to the top, you know? But at the same time, I also, if a team wants to go out and just do a Herald or do a montage and they find great joy in it and they have an audience that finds great joy in it. I don't need to be like, yeah, but if you looked at the audience right then, let them right, know. Right. Like, like it's, I'm not saying I'm even wrong. I'm saying it's just might not, it might be not be right for them. But while we're in this, this space, Corey, of you talking about clown rocking your world, mm -hmm. we are going to now, we're going to have you answer this question. You should know Corey and no pressure. No if pressure. you answer this question perfectly, this will be the last podcast we ever do. And before well, you do that, let me just welcome our Instagram followers. We have uh, resumed our 
We're back. Live cast within a podcast. And be sure, and ch- I'm going to send this to both of you to check out. I think I'm dialing it in. I think I got the sound dialed in better. I think I've got a visual here that's a lot more pleasing than the last one. So this is on. what Jim was working on while, we, while you were talking. Um, so, uh, Corey, now in front of our future podcast audience and our present Instagram audience, mm-hmm. I ask you the question, what is clown? Well, I don't know. And if anyone tells you that they do, they're lying. Okay. You can't know what it is. If you think you know what it is, you're done. You failed. But what I can tell you is my favorite part of clown, which is what really was like the lightning bolt that keeps me like that. I keep loving about clown is that the essence of clown is just acknowledging what is happening right now in the present moment together. So for example, you know, we're, we're in the theater, the clowns performing, uh, there's someone creaks their chair, you know, and it's like at a weird moment, if you're doing sketch or improv, we blow past that. Right. But the clown, the clown can look, make a face. We all heard it. We all were there together experiencing that sound, you know, um, or the clown can make a meal of it and make the rest of the show about that creaking chair, you know, and, and it's just the acknowledgement of that. We're all experiencing this thing together. There's no fourth wall. Um, the audience is just as much a part of the show as the clown is. And, and it's about connection for me. That's what, that's what I love about it. Excellent job. You did great. Yeah. I mean, you did admit in the beginning. Of, so I think we can do more podcasts because it, since you, you know, had that uh, precursor that you did not know, even though you had a great explanation after, <laughs> I feel like we can continue. But Corey, thank you so much. Uh, it has been such a pleasure. You're going to stay with us. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and right now, this is the tradition. We, we both need to now yield the floor to Jim, who's going to wrap this all up brilliantly. So, Jim, I yield uh, the podcast to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Corey. It was such a pleasure to get to know you better through this process of this podcasting. I've always seen you as a great director, and then getting to hear you talk about directing makes me know that. I've learned that you have two friends, Courtney and John, and you love to work with them, and you hate Fringe. Do not recommend Fringe to anyone. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> You've always been a girl next door, plain Jane type of uh, cast. And uh, those are your words. You're really smart. Did I say that? And I never said plain Jane. But No, no. Okay. It, just to be clear, <laughs> she never said plain Jane. Dear God. Okay. I um, said. Go on. But I said plain Jen. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> right. Jen. That's right. I'm, I, your, I'm your cousin Jen. I'm cousin your... Jen. Okay. My bad. Um I really want to get to know more about your fascination with improv filmmaking, because that's something that actually I'm right in the middle of in the uh, live cast within a podcast, my show, Stand Up and Clown with my non-co-host, Chad Damiani. Um, Anyway, all I can say is your quote of the uh, whole episode for me was that clown really really rocked your world. And uh, I can't agree with you more. It's clear that it does rock your world because I love your work. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Did we ever talk about your fantastic ability to do? Is it El Diablo? Those sticks? Or what? Are oh those? yeah, the devil. The devil, devil sticks. sticks. The devil. Well, sticks. that's one. That is one thing me and Courtney kind of like talked about when we taught the workshop. Is like what? Um, hold on, I, I'm holding this baby now. Okay. No. We said. We said like what? Use the. Tr- Sorry, she's crying now. No, no, it's all good. I, what what tricks do you know? Can you juggle? Can you sing? Can you um, do like a body roll on the floor? Can you do a back bend? You know, and Courtney uses a lot of her tricks in a lot of her work. And when I think about my tricks, I have very few, but one of them is I learned how to do the double sticks slightly okay when I was like in middle school because <laughs> a boy I liked did them. And uh, yeah, like I, I created, I have a whole bit with a character named Kyler that never talks um, and he does devil sticks and I brought them out at clown zoo as well. Yeah, yeah. I love it when you bring out the devil sticks. Thank you. It's, I, I got to think of more tricks I have up my sleeve, but most of my tricks are just like being a good friend and like, uh, <laughs> oh, bringing, dirty tricks. bringing, uh, bringing clarity to other people's work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
But yeah, and you know, taking care of kids. Well, uh, Jim, is that your is your that, minute complete? I yield the floor back to both of you. Well, thank you, Thanks, and thank Jim. you for all all for listening. Um, I know you hear this in every podcast, and it probably drives you mad. But if you are listening and liking, subscribe to this podcast. Write a glowing five star review. Uh, this is a grassroots campaign to sermonize about the magic of clown. If you want more information about your hosts or Corey Podell, I'm also going to put some links in the liner notes. Um, I know, Corey, you have some stuff online, right? Short films that people could see. Yes, I have them. Um, they're in my Instagram bio. I should probably have a website or something, but I have two short films um, that anyone can watch on Vimeo. And then I uh, have another one that's in an edit now that'll be out soon. A lot of clowns are in that one. And um, John Norris, Courtney Peroso and I are all teaching. Do you hear that? Uh, a little bit, all, but it's fine. Okay. We're all teaching a workshop uh, in a trio. In Austin, Texas, they're going to do Mr. Chonkers and Gutter Plum in Austin, Texas, in the beginning of January at Cold Cold Town Theater. And we're going to teach a two day workshop. So I love it. If you have any listeners in the Texas area. And we'll have a specific link in the liner notes to that workshop. Um, so if January, yeah, I have to, I have to Austin, get it for you. But yeah, well, I'll get it for you. They're still working on it. This is but... all stuff we can do off air, Corey. Okay, cool. Sorry, I can get it for you. What do you think? This is not a Zoom call. This is it. This is a professional podcast slash Instagram live podcast. Right. And just for our Instagram viewers, where can they find the podcast again, Chad? Um, yeah, if you want to hear Stand Up and Clown, the podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music. Um, also, I think you can just look us up on Simplecast. But uh, that wraps up uh, this edition. Um, Corey, thank you so much. Jim, thank you so much. As thank always, you, thank you. Um, your silence was welcome <laughs> and appreciated. Thanks for- for having me and and honestly this is going to sound really corny chad but thank you for all your great encouragement over the past couple years i I love working with you and and you've been um a great help to me so thank you and i don't and i and i'm being serious i know i'm glad i said the end (laughs) probably people aren't even listening anymore because i have a reputation (laughs) keep up All right, everyone. Um, Until we speak again, my friends, I apologize for this, Corey, but this is our tag. Until we speak again, my friends, keep on clowning. Keep on clowning. (laughs)